right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got plenty of Ochag Baji, David McCormick audio to get to you today. We've got Andy Kotelnicki and Brian Borland, the KU offensive and defensive coordinators that we'll let you hear from as well. And in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to talk with Craig Hershiser and Matt Llewellyn. With Craig, we'll talk free state football. With Matt, we'll talk Lawrence High football ahead of this week's big city showdown right here on KLWN. You can hear it at 7 o'clock with free state at Lawrence High School. Again, on KLWN, KLWN.com, and our video feed, with 810 Varsity, Hank Booth and Matt Llewellyn will be on the call of that one. Adam Dravetto will have your high school pregame show with Cole Butar leading up until then from 6 o'clock till they take over coverage a little bit before the game. Kansas has a new member, a new future member for the class of 2022. That would be one Ernest Uday, I believe is how you pronounce it, Uda Jr., um, I love, you know, big men that have UD back to back in their names. Worked with Udoka, maybe it'll work with Uday. Six foot ten, two hundred thirty pound center, ranked twenty-ninth in the country by the twenty-four-seven sports composite, ranked twenty-seventh in the country by just twenty-four-seven sports. This is the scouting report on twenty-four-seven sports from Jerry Meyer. Has a tremendous physique at six foot ten including a seven foot two wingspan is a quality athlete for a center plays with energy and runs rim to rim excels at snatching and finishing lob passes is also a dangerous offensive rebounder with his pursuit of positioning and good hands, not a polished offensive player has limited shooting range, tends to play upright, needs to refine his footwork, does have a go-to right-handed jump hook, not a ball handler and is mechanical in his passing, but tends to make the correct read. Is a quality rim protector on defense, is engaged on that end, controls space as a rebounder. So this is basically, to summarize that, an athletic center who is raw, who is going to be good at defense and rebounding and rim running. And that is more in the ilk of like, it just in turn, not necessarily in terms of how good they could be, but um, more in the game style of like Yudoka Azubuki than he is in the game style of a, David McCormick, who is going to, you know, really do work on the post offensively, whereas Doak was more of a good rim protector and more of a dunker. Like, again, Uday's not going to be that good. You can't expect him to turn into one of the five best players in the country like Doak did, but he is more to that ilk. This is more in line with, you know, when Bill Self after the USC game talked about getting more athletic, getting guys like USC had. He was basically in reference to a couple things. One was in reference to getting more fast, quick 
athletic guards on the court. The other, I think, is in reference to a guy like this. Uh, a center who is athletic, has a seven foot two wingspan, plays rim to rim, plays really hard, plays with high energy. You know, he's not going to be, although he does have that solid right-handed hook, he's not going to be known for necessarily all of his work on the offensive end of the court, but he is going to get some big blocks. He is going to win highlight rebounds over the other athletic big men. And that's something that KU honestly doesn't have on this roster. As much as they have, they have so many different pieces, so many options. That's something they don't have. So he comes in, and I imagine that he's going to get an opportunity to play right away, right? With Mitch Lightfoot graduating at the end of the season. Same for Cam Martin. David McCormick, I would imagine, has plans on going pro after this season. Now, all of a sudden, at the center position, all you're left with returning is going to be Zach Clements, and you never know how the transfer portal is going to work every offseason. I'd imagine, especially because of the fact that Clements is a good shooter and Uday is more of, again, that you know athletic center who's going to play really good defense, there would be a case to have maybe both of them on the court or just have them on the court at different times depending on the situation because they are so different. So I imagine he's going to get time. But what this does for KU as a whole class, they move up to number two in the team recruiting rankings with him, Grady Dick, uh, MJ Rice. It doesn't have the, you know, number two, number three recruit in the country, but it has a lot of depth in this recruiting class overall, and, and we still don't know. I mean, I don't know. MJ Rice still might end up going to the G League. Who knows what could happen? There's, there's a long time between now and next season, and if a— uh, IARP were to come out and be like, hey, you're you're banned from the postseason next year, then all of a sudden maybe some of these kids reconsider. So I don't know. But it is very interesting to me that you have Bill Self getting the new contract this offseason, and it correlates with now a really good recruiting class. I'm sure the NCAA investigation is still being used against KU in recruiting battles when other teams are negatively recruiting KU. I'm sure that still comes up. But I think a big amount of what came up in the past couple of years with the recruiting battles, you would have coaches at other schools, I'm sure, saying, hey, not only is Kansas in in trouble with the NCAA and, and that could cause them to have this punishment or that punishment, Bill Self, his contract expires at the end of the 2021-22 season. So, Basically, they're telling you that they're expecting to be in trouble and they don't know if Bill Self's going to be the coach. So why would you go there? Why would you be recruited by him when the proof is in the pudding and he doesn't have the contract? How do you know he's going to still be there? And that was why the life or the the big contract that he got that has kind of the the like basically continuing add-ons was so important because it emphasized the nature that KU is going to hold on to Bill Self basically no matter what happens here. And that's important above the NCAA stuff because if you're committed, you're not committing, like, uh, yes, you want to play in the NCAA tournament, and yes, the ultimate goal, you want to win a national title, and that's going to help your draft stock, right, if you're coming in as a freshman. But more than that, you want to come to a school where you know who is coaching the team, right? and you know they're in a position to bring you to the NBA. You know that is the case with Bill Self. So if the contract isn't there for much longer, you go, 
well, what happens if I have to stay to my sophomore year and now Bill Self's gone? Now you don't have to worry about that with the lifetime contract. And I, I refuse. I know it's not technically a lifetime contract, but you know what I mean because it has the rotating years. I refuse to believe that a nice recruiting class happening right now isn't at least somewhat correlated with the fact that you have that long-term contract where KU is basically saying, no, even if we do get NCAA trouble, Bill Self's going to be here. And that is very helpful for a high school kid to say, now I don't have to worry about who the head coach is going to be. Even if you guys get in trouble, even if we can't make an NCAA tournament, I at least know you are going to be the head coach and the proof is in the pudding, the proof is in the money, and I'm sure that definitely helps that. So uh, maybe next week we'll talk uh, with somebody more about this Ernest Uday kid and, and get kind of a better scouting report on him other than what's just listed by Jerry Meyer uh, on the website. I am interested, though, just from – I brought this up the other day. Like, where things are going for a school like Kansas and other top-tier schools apply as far as just recruiting freshmen? Because, like, you see, for instance, Bryce Thompson was a top-25 recruit. And he ends up not being able to crack the starting rotation consistently. Um, he's playing, you know, sizable bench minutes, 15, 20 minutes a game, but nothing that is, you know, an overly large amount of minutes. And he ends up transferring after the year. I, I'm kind of to a point, and like Tristan Anaruna comes in for a couple years, plays sparingly. I'm kind of to a point where if you are a top, I, I don't know where the cutoff would be, maybe top 60 or so recruit in the country and you go to a school and maybe even after year one, but for sure by the end of year two, if you have not cracked into either the starting lineup or like starting minutes, meaning you're playing whatever, 25 minutes a game, or I guess for a center, it can be less because, you know, centers are just going to play less. But it, unless you're in a, I guess, sizable role, might be the way to put it. I'm just going to assume you're going to transfer. So, like, we see all these kids committed to KU, and you have high expectations that, you know, Grady Dick and MJ Rice and Ernest Duday are going to come in, and they're going to eventually be really good players for Kansas. The problem is you can't just count on it and say, well, Uday will come into Kansas and he'll sit for two years, and then by the time he's a junior, he'll be all Big 12 level good. Because if you're sitting for those two years – with the transfer portal now, with the one free transfer, that's just not a thing. You're just going to go to a new school after a year. So it's interesting because I, I bring up this commitment and everything, and I do expect Uday, and I mention the guys in front of him at the center position who are all going to probably be gone at the end of this year. But what happens if, if David McCormick's back and Zach Clements is back, and now all of a sudden Uday is sitting behind McCormick for a year, and then in year two, he's going, oh, no, now I'm sitting behind a junior Zach Clements. Do I just transfer? So I feel a little silly sometimes even exerting energy anymore on some of these freshman recruits unless it is somebody who you feel like for sure is going to be in the starting lineup because we don't even know how long they're going to be at KU, if they're going to use the transfer portal, if they're going to have an impactful role in the rotation. And that's the thing with this class for KU, right? Like with Zach Clements and K.J. Adams and, and so forth down the line, I, I know it's it's easy for everybody to, you know, point to, for instance, Kyle Cuff or Bobby Pettiford and be like, yeah, we think that in two, three years, like, they could be the next great KU player. 
But at this point in time, we're starting to see a lot of data that, like, if you're not getting on the court enough in those first two years, you're just leaving for another school. Like, Christian Brown and Ochai, even though they weren't top 70 or 80 recruits, they were still getting on the court as freshmen and sophomores. So if, you know, Remy Martin and, and Dewan Harris are the primary guards and Bobby Pettiford is the primary backup, Kyle Cuff red shirts this year. Is he coming into next year saying, well, good thing I took that red shirt. I'll be ready to make a jump this year. Or is he saying, oh, look at the guys in front of me. So it's a very interesting dichotomy now with the transfer portal and also the fact that KU can basically bring in kids and say, hey, we didn't like what we, we saw from you this year. We're going to upgrade. We're going to go into the transfer portal and get a better player than you. And he's only going to be here one year. But guess what? Next year, there will be another good transfer on the transfer portal. So it's very interesting, kind of the fine line there, because you're always going to want the high-end freshman. Um, you're always going to want to stay in the positive news cycle there. And you're always would rather, right, if you're getting talent, you'd rather it come in as freshman and ideally stick in the program a few years so you can not just have experience, but experience in your program, as opposed to just having experience but not in your program. But you're getting to a point in time where, like I said, if you're not playing early as a freshman, I'm not really interested in having the conversation about, well, but maybe he'll be really good as a senior because chances are he ain't going to be here as a senior. So who knows what will happen with Uday and Kansas. But I'll talk more about that with, I think, Kevin Flaherty this upcoming Tuesday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We've got some Ochag Baji and David McCormick audio to share for you from yesterday at Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Days at the Sprint Center. We've also got audio to share for you from Andy Kodelnicki, the KU Offensive Coordinator, and Brian Borland, the KU Defensive Coordinator, from earlier today at KU Football Media Availability. And then in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll talk some high school football, Lawrence High, Free State, taking on each other in the city showdown this week. So we'll talk with Craig and Matt about that in the 4 o'clock hour. This is our CST on KLWN and KLWN.com. Depend on it. Could your business use a little push right now? Need help getting the word out there that you're hiring? Do you just want to let people know how great of a product you have? Well, you can advertise with Rock Chalk Sports Talk and or the Best of RCST podcast. For more information, contact djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. Yesterday, myself and Adam Dravetta were out at Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Days, and we shared all that Bill Self audio for you, some really insightful stuff from Coach Self. Uh, also, a lot of really insightful stuff from Ochag Baji and David McCormick. We got 45 minutes of audio with Ochai and Dave up at the podium just speaking with the media. We're obviously not going to play all that for you at once or even into a couple segments. We're just going to play a little here a little there for you here on RCST. Here is the first part of David McCormick and Ochag Bashi speaking with the media yesterday down at the T-Mobile Center. So two years ago, I think you guys ended the season number one, had all the momentum, and then shut down last year. A few bumps in the road, and then you guys, I think, ended the year with a few guys on the COVID list, right? Yeah. So what's – I know the season hasn't started yet, but goals this year, I mean, what's – you guys talk about it? What's, 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 the, what's um, the goal for this team? Kind of same goals as every year. Um you know, be successful and, and push ourselves to practice every single day to, to train for those moments, those pressure moments that come in the season when, um, 
when the title's on the line or when I think things mean the most. So really practicing that way and getting reps that way is the is the base to, to, to starting to do that. I know you had a offseason full of you know aspirations of the NBA and you went to Chicago and everything. What did you learn from that camp that you can take into your playing here in your last year at KU? Um, I learned a lot from that camp and also just from training, um, you know, throughout the summer for those two months before leading up to the to the combine. But in the combine, I learned that, um, you know, you're not going to get the most time to shine in the games, whether it's in the games, but uh, in the drills and stuff, taking that seriously, uh, which I did, but taking that more seriously. And now that I have that mindset going back, um, you know, next year, going into and learning all that stuff, I think it's really important to you know, just take that seriously and, you know, really go and focus on that more than the game. So, With all the talent that's around you, how beneficial do you believe it's going to be just for the team to get better, but for you to get better as a player too? Um, really beneficial for everybody. Uh, having having good players, having yourself surrounded with good players is always, um, is always good because, you know, you have a lot of threats on the floor. So the defense has to respect that in a way. Say we have a threat like, um, CB outside or Jalen outside on the wing or Remy even at, at point guard. Um, that's a lot of threats around me and around David. So um, that's just a, that's a good way to look at it. How has Remy been? Really good, really good. Um, I think out of everything, he's he's brought, um, I think, a different kind of leadership to our team. Um, just from day one, he's just brought this energy and this passion for the game that he brings into practice, and it's it's fun playing with him. Bill Self said a lot of speed. Do you feel mm -hmm. that the speed is going to yeah. How, how yeah. do you feel that transition is going along? Um, with him, between him, Joe, Bobby, and Dewan, uh, those little guards, and even Kyle, just um, the way they push the ball and you know picking up their defender full court and having that having that defensive presence, I think really coach loves that and just you know playing downhill how they do and always being in attack mode and facilitating for others is you know what coach asked for. Last question I got for you, Oak Park to now, man, it's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's like did you ever just envision when you're at Oak Park? It's like wow, I'm like kind of that. You know, that senior role now. How, no, how's this journey been for you? Never. Um, you know, coming in, obviously, I was kind of recruited as a four-year player um, to come in and, you know, finally by your senior year, once I was at Kansas, that I would have this role. But, you know, now actually being in the role and seeing, looking back on that, um, on my four years here, it's it's been really special. So I can I can only just be thankful for this opportunity for it all. So. Which, uh, you talked this summer about Remy kind of reminding you a little of Devon, mm -hmm. quickness especially, yeah. right? Yeah. Do, do you think back to when you played with Devon and, mm -hmm. and what that opened up for you and, and what you were able to get? Because it seems, looking back to me, that you guys on the perimeter got a lot of open looks mm -hmm. off of that. Do you think mm -hmm. that can happen here? Same thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I definitely think um, there is a correlation between those two and um, how they play and how they uh, play within our offense. Um, which I think can only benefit the guards on the outside, me, CB, Jay Will, uh, Jalen Coleman, uh, Land. So I think that's really special to kind of see it that way. But I also think Remy kind of brings a different kind of um, uh, role to it too, as he's a facilitator too. He's a really good passer and has really good vision um, with that speed. So finding more open looks for us, I think, will be uh, something that we're looking forward to. And, and, and I mean, you've got tons of mm -hmm. bombs there, right? Mm -hmm. that, that was Part of the reason your shot took off, you took open shots. Yeah, that, right. Yeah, I mean, is, yeah. Do you look forward to that then? Um, that's I'm what happens again. There? Really excited for it. Yes, yes. Stupid questions. Yeah. <laughs> David, two years ago, you guys went into the tournament as number one team, had everything going. Last year, obviously, it was kind of a COVID year, and I think you guys got hit with the bug at the end of the year. 
What's the expectations of goal going into the season? I mean, I know expectations don't change, but if you talked about kind of what you guys did in 2019 and maybe finishing up oh, this year with where it started. Uh, definitely. You know, we had a great team that year. We have a great team this year. And like you said, expectations don't change. So we just kind of have that mindset, and we're definitely going to with uh, instill that mindset within the newcomers and just make sure that we don't budge. You know, we, uh, we're going to be very hard on them because we expect that out of them, and we're going to make sure that they produce as well as us, and I think we're going to perform and excel past what people may think. And do you ever, I know it's, it's going back a few years, but do you ever think how that year might have ended had it not been for COVID? I mean, do you allow yourself to think about that? Uh, I do. It's, it's one of those uh, bittersweet moments. Uh, we definitely would have went all the way and you know that team was just really close we had a great community and I know we would have excelled so I think about it just to reminisce sometimes but I don't want to get stuck in that that season that was David McCormick at the end there Ochai was the other guy talking oh, what I found most interesting in that portion of the conversation came from Ochai and talking about Remy Martin there was a couple questions in there about Remy and you know you hear the the comment, especially that, that rung out to me, um, when he was comparing Remy Martin to Devon Dotson. And, you know, Devon Dotson, great player, Kansas, you know, one of the 10 best players in the country, his final year at KU. And him and Doak made up an absolutely dynamic duo. The one kind of knock against Devon offensively, I guess outside of shooting, was not being like a a great facilitator, right? Like he had such good speed and he was so damn good at getting to the hole and getting you layups around the rim and, and converting at a high rate. And it, it didn't end up mattering a ton, but he wasn't a guy who was going to go out there and use that ability to get to the hole and score at the rim to get him seven assists. He was a guy who's, you know, averaging closer to four assists per game. Marcus Garrett actually led that team in assists per game as the secondary ball handler. And that was okay. I'm not saying that's a bad thing or anything for what Kansas needed. And certainly that was more than good enough to be the number one team in the country as Kansas was. But you don't always have that ability to score inside the rim like Dotson had. And as good as Remy Martin is at doing that, I think you really have the opportunity, especially with the pieces around you, to take advantage of getting to the hole not with the primary option necessarily being about getting to the rim to score, but getting to the rim to open things up for others. And that's what last year's team was missing just in terms of having somebody who could create for others and open things up easier for other players. And he didn't really have that. Well, you have that with Remy Martin. And on top of it, you hear Ochai's comment about, yeah, he's, you know, a little maybe better of a facilitator than doing so. He uses his speed to facilitate. I'm kind of wondering if, like, we've gotten so used to Remy Martin just in terms of looking at his stats and stuff and, and seeing him as a guy who can give you 20 points any night. I'm wondering if he's going to take, like, a secondary role. For instance, in late night in the fog, he had zero points. I'm wondering. He didn't even have a shot. I, I'm wondering if, if you're going to see a, a role from Remy Martin where he goes, you know what, I'm better off. I can get points when I need us to. Like, if the shot clock is winding down and we need somebody to create or it's late in the game and we need somebody to create a bucket, I'll go get a bucket. But maybe we're going to be better off if I average 11 points and seven assists than if I average 15 and four, right? I think that's an interesting conversation. I think there is probably some truth to that. So the fact that you hear Ochai saying that, I think one is really good. And I think two, 
is really telling what his style of play just might be. And I think that's going to be very helpful for a guy like Ochai, for a guy like Christian Brown. Guys we think of more as kind of set shooters, not as much your, you know, Devontae Graham, I'm going to take you off the bounce, I'm going to shake and hit it. Or I'm Frank Mason, I'm going to, you know, go off a screen. If the guy goes under, I'll be able to hit a shot. More so your set shooters where, hey, we're going to drive, get the defense to suck in, kick out to you, and now hit the open shot. That's what they need from that position, and it sounds like Remy Martin is going to fit that to a T. I still, you know, I kind of want to pump the brakes on the Remy Martin Big 12 Player of the Year thing because I am kind of to a point where I think maybe Ochai or Dave could end up being the better candidates for KU in that regard. But Remy being able to do that and falling into what Ochai said about him gives me a lot of confidence in how the fit could be for Remy Martin with this KU offense and how it could open things up really well for some of these other players. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have more Ochai and Dave audio to share with you later on in the show. Plenty of other KU basketball talk as well. But coming up next, Andy Kotelnicki, the offensive coordinator for KU, caught up with the media earlier today. Here is that audio for you on the other side. City Showdown Week. Lawrence High, Free State at Lawrence High School. And uh, Hank Booth and Matt Llewellyn will be on the call of that one right here on KLWN at 7 o'clock after our high school pregame show at 6 o'clock here, hosted by Adam Dravetta. So I guess off week for myself, Craig Hershiser as well, but we'll give you the Free State side of things. Also have the Lawrence High side of things with Matt Llewellyn here on RCST. Uh, first up, Craig, last week we saw Free State roll through Shawnee Mission East en route to a solid victory for them. Uh, what were your takeaways from that game for the Firebirds? Well, I, I thought the defensive line performed pretty well. I liked the way that they handled the line of scrimmage. Uh, uh, let, let me share something with you here, Derek. Uh, I'm just looking at total stats for the season defensively, and uh, that group has a total of 49 tackles for loss. Um, now I don't know what that compares to for other uh, for other years for Free State, but to me that looks like a pretty big number when I'm looking at uh, Colton Berger with nine. Uh, uh, Newhouse with 13, um, Brian Lane with eight and a half, and he's credited with eight and a half tackles for loss. Anthony Lewis and Preston Tran both have five each. Uh, those down linemen are doing a heck of a job for Free State. Yeah, I'm really impressed with you know because last year you had um, some issues there on the line, not in terms of talent or anything, but just with depth and COVID and injuries hit it hard. And you didn't see that, but that seems like it's back to normal. And I think that's the big question for me. How how much will that impact the rest of the way, not just Friday night for Free State, but in the playoffs? Because I would think that play in the trenches, that should be something that travels no matter where you go, right? Well, I certainly think so. You know, if you can control the line of scrimmage, then, yeah, no matter where you're playing, that should be that, – that's a huge factor. And – um uh, and these guys have just been spending, a, you know, a fair amount of time in the other team's backfield. And, um, you know, when you can get the other team off schedule and you get them into second and long or third and long kinds of situations, then uh, that, that takes a lot of the playbook out of the other team's hand. And, and you, can, uh, you can really start to establish some things and, and dictate how you want the football game to go. We're talking with Craig Hershiser here for Free State. Now, the one, I guess, downside of, of last week's game for Free State, and they still were able to have a decisive victory nonetheless. It was a little bit sloppy. They had a, maybe a few too many turnovers 
in that game. Uh, that can't continue for them to win games like this Friday, right? No. Um, you know, the old rules still apply. In my mind, I don't, I don't really care, you know, what, what, the, what new football looks like, you know, offensively, you know, how you play and so on. But there's some things that, that still just apply. Uh, control the line of scrimmage. Take care of the football. Ball security is very important. And, uh, you know, don't penalize yourself into tough situations or out of scoring opportunities. So um, just like any game, uh, any other part of the season, but especially this Friday, those three things I think will be very, very important against Lawrence High, who is a very good football team. So, you know, you cannot, uh, as, you know, as a team, you, you cannot put yourself into those kinds of situations. You know, every so often when the team loses, we hear the, old cliche about, well, maybe a loss will be the best thing for them. Looking back now with, you know, 2020 hindsight, do you think that loss to Olathe North for Free State was actually a good thing? Was it a good thing? I think I think they took some good things out of it. Um, I would never be happy with a loss, mm-hmm. but and I'm sure – you know, I'm sure the coaching staff isn't, nor the players are happy with the loss. I guess I just, I just mean long term, like where they are now, and and you think about some of their recent successes. Mm-hmm. Do you think how much of that loss, and and not just how they lost, but who they lost to, and how they had missed opportunities? Do you think that might be fuel, or has served as a way for them to get so much better over the course of the season? Well, like I said, I think they can, you know, they took some good things out of that. You know, they were in contention against uh, against uh, one of the better teams in the state, certainly one of the best teams in the Sunflower League. Um, and by the way, tip of the cap to Lawrence High, who beat a late the North last week. Uh, but uh, the Firebirds came out of that game, you know, with a 21-7 to loss. They also knew that they did a lot of good things that they could carry forward. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and, and with an eye towards detail, you know, clean up a few a few aspects of their game and just carry that forward. And, and we've seen them do that. Um, uh, certainly, uh, you know, some penalties have reared their head from time to time, but but uh, penalty-wise, they've been a lot cleaner team since the early part of the season. And I think they've probably, probably discovered their offensive identity the last several games and, and played to their strengths extremely well. Leave Free State takes on Lawrence High this week, who, as you mentioned, beat Olathe North. Do you like having to play a rivalry game that late in the year? Can that be good? Can that kind of fuel you to the playoffs? Is that bad to have to exert that much emotional and physical energy into a game that late in the season? Uh, what side of the coin do you kind of come out there? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, this late in the season, I would say it's not a bad thing. I, th- I think, you know, your, the maturity of your team will really show up. And I think in Free State's case, they've had a chance to grow throughout the season and become better as a team and establish, you know, what kind of a team they are. So, so um, you do invest a lot of emotional energy. You have, the maturity of your team really comes into play because you've got to eliminate all that noise that comes with this game, all that noise from fans and, and well-meaning people and family uh, and just, you know, focus on, on what you as a team need to do in order to win and, you know, put your best game plan forward. And here's the other thing that you have to remember as well. The season does not end tomorrow night. You know, the, uh, both these teams will play the next week and they will be in, in, the, in the playoff rounds. And, uh, and so, you know, regardless of the outcome, win or lose, um, you got to get ready to play the following week as well. And I guess maybe that's a good follow-up to that of, 
What do you think has a bigger residual impact after the game? Do you think it becomes tougher to move on from it if you won, or do you think it becomes tougher to move on from it if you lose? So much of that depends on your seniors. And like we saw the other night, um, the Firebird football team is heavy with seniors. And so that leadership from that group um, will be very, very important in how they, how they respond to the game, either win or lose. Uh, it's easy for me to say you can't get too disappointed if you lose because you have to play next week. You can't get overly excited and just rest on that win because, again, you play next week. Now the players, they have to, um, you know, they got to find that direction. And, that, and I really do believe that direction comes best from within. So the seniors will be very, very important. So I know we haven't had a chance to watch a ton of LHS this year, but um, obviously just getting to you know be around the station, hear from other people here, or reading about it, or seeing scores, seeing what went on, all that stuff. Uh, at the very least, we know some about Lawrence High, that they're a really good football team. They beat Olathe North, got a star quarterback who's dynamic and Truman Jules guard with an elite receiver in Baylor Bowen. You always trust Clint Bowen that he's going to have that defense rolling for him this year. Uh, what do you envision as maybe being the biggest challenge for Free State on Friday? Hmm. Well, the biggest challenge, I think, will be to get themselves established on the ground, you know, offensively. I, this is just me talking, okay? I, I have no insight from anybody. But I, I would like to see them get Lawrence High to cover sideline to sideline, run some, you know, run some off-tackle plays, um, make the pursuit angles longer, maybe run some of those uh, wide receiver bubble screens, which to me are just long handoffs and get, um, and, and, and get, get the linebackers and the down linemen pursuing out into the flats and over to the sideline and see if they can, you know, kind of stretch the field that way and then start making some attacks, um, you know, maybe in, in between the tackles later in the game. We've seen some of the biggest offensive plays for the Firebirds this year just come on Jet Deneen scrambles and, and making things happen when it doesn't look like there's a lot there. How, how special has he been, do you think, so far at the quarterback position this year? Well, we, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a real treat to watch him. Uh, we've been lucky over the years to watch some dynamic backfield play out of Free State, and this year it's Jet. And... Um, you know, some people say, well, Free State's best offense is a broken play. Well, you know, sometimes those broken plays aren't broken plays. Like when we see a third and long and they line it, and they line all the receivers up and have them run vertical routes and run a quarterback draw, that might look like a broken play to some people, but really that's by design. And uh, the line gives him a lane in which to run, and then the receivers block downfield. And, and you know, they make pretty good yardage out of a play like that. But he, he's a dynamic player, no doubt about it. He's he, and he is competitive. I mean, he is ultra competitive, and that makes that kind of gives him just a little extra, you know, in, in his game plan. If I were to tell you that Free State is going to win on Friday night, what position unit or maybe what player do you think has to play well for that to happen? Wow. Um, well, you know, you got to get your usual game out of the usual guys, and. Um, you know, in Jet's case, you know, he's accounted for a lot of run, a lot of yardage um, on the ground. He's good for about 300 yards total offense between passing and, and running. And so, you know, you're going to have to have that. But I think there needs to be a complementary player in that backfield, and that's going to have to be Dash Cleveland, 
who um, has over 600 yards rushing himself, if, if I'm not mistaken, this year. And so, um, you know, we're going to have to get some extra yards out of him because I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that Clint Bowen, with his history as a defensive coordinator, will have a plan for Jet Deneen and how and how they're going to defend him. So, I think you know we're going to need some um, we're going to need some offensively. We're going to need some plays out of dash, and I think we're going to need some plays at the wide receiver spot. And of course, you know the most obvious two would be Jordan Brown and Jake Patchen. You know at those receiver positions to to make some big catches. Yeah, what do you think? In high scoring game, low scoring game, middle scoring game. Oh, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, uh, wow. I'm going to say, um, no, I don't think it'll be a high scoring game, but, uh, you know, but I don't think it'll be 13 to seven or something like that. I, I'm going to call it something in the twenties. Okay. Okay. So this one is interesting to me because right now free state is the four seed in the West and mm -hmm. Two through five are all tied with one loss. Then Lawrence High would be the sixth seed at the moment. The tiebreaker for if you have the same record, it's head-to-head, -head, but Free State hasn't played those other teams with Manhattan, Junction City, um, and uh, Washburn Rural as the other teams tied with them. The reason they're fourth is they're ahead of Junction City because of point differential, and then they're, I believe, I think they want, uh, they're tied right now with Manhattan technically for the three seed because they haven't played head to head. They have the same record and they have the same exact point differential, in which case I actually reached out to Keisha this week. And they told me if that happens, the tiebreaker is literally a coin flip and what a coin flip of importance that would be. Because at that point you're determining a three seed over a four seed where you would have one extra round before having to meet Derby. But nonetheless of that, the, the point of me bringing this up is that, it's obviously important for Free State to win the game as far as the seeding goes, but it's also important for them to try to maximize their point differential. And uh -huh. the cap on the point differential is 13. So that might actually help Free State in a situation like this because Manhattan, if they win their game by 28 and they're playing a lesser competition, whereas Free State is playing a good opponent, if they can beat them by 13, you get the same value out of that. So that could help Free State here. But let's say you're at a point in this game, and let's say Free State's up eight or nine points with a couple minutes left, a minute 45 left, and you're in a situation where you know you need to win by 13-plus to secure that chance at a three-seed instead of a four-seed. Are you running the clock out, or are you putting pedal to the metal and, and doing everything you can to score there? Hmm. Well... Actually, as you were going on about that question, I thought this was going to be a really hard answer. But um, uh, if, if, it's, if, it, if that's the situation, I'm just going to tell you that what we've seen all year, we've seen Free State score from just about any place on the field. So short of kneel down and running out the clock, I think you just, if it's me, I just keep running my offense. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll have some plays in mind that depending on, uh, down in distance that, um, you know, that, that we could run that would, that could potentially go the distance, but no, I wouldn't be killing the clock because you got playmakers on the field who can, who can take it to the house. So, uh, go ahead, get those points, set yourself up in position, you know, for, for next week. Yeah. I just, I think it's very interesting because like, what if, like I said, it's a nine point game at that point, it's a two score game. What if it's down to like four seconds left and you have first and 10 at their 25, like, 
at that point, you kind of have to pass it to the end zone to try to get that. But also, you don't want to you don't want it to to come off as like you're trying to run up the score on a city rival. And I think yeah. Lawrence High would understand, but also Lawrence High needs the point differential too. So I I don't know how that would be viewed or, or how that would work. It could obviously uh, uh, turn a little ugly. We would hope not <laughs> if if something bad were to happen there. Well, that could inspire some bad feelings, no doubt. Yeah. But, uh, but Derek, you got to take care of your team. Yeah. Yep, yes you do. So uh, we'll see. I don't even think it'll be in that situation because I think this is going to be a close game that probably comes down to the wire. But that is Craig Hershiser. Craig, thank you so much and looking forward to uh, getting back on the call with you in a couple weeks for the uh, Free State playoff game. We do know they'll be hosting in the first round, so that'll be nice. We don't have to uh, drive anywhere too far. Yeah, playoff time is fun. All right, that was Craig Hershiser joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, getting a look at the free state side of things in the city showdown. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST on FM 1017 at 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. All right, we heard from Craig Hershiser from the free state side of things, joined now in studio by Matt Llewellyn. We'll be on the call with Hank Booth tomorrow night for Lawrence High and Free State right here on KLWN, we'll hear about the Lawrence High side of things. How excited? What is the excitement level after that Olathe North win? Oh, I mean, it just absolutely incredible. I mean, it was it it was incredible to you be at the stadium. That, didn't you? I I could have sworn I heard you in the pregame show. Adam I did. asks both of us after he interviews us what he expects the score to be at the end. And you said I don't. I said twenty four twenty one. Yes. You said on a winning field goal by Lawrence High. Yes, that's exactly what I by Grant Glasgow. That's exactly what I said. And I don't know uh, if if you heard my sound yet. Have you heard my sound? I haven't. I actually uh, just uh, have it pulled. Uh, I'll have it edited up tonight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no big deal. But I I got a you chance. Interviewed Grant. I, yeah. I get, got a chance to talk to Grant, and uh, boy, he was excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really really cool. And but. At the same time, he was very reserved about it. He, he, it was, it was, he was, he expected it, and I was more. I mean, so I was more nervous than he was. I'm sure, at least from what he told me. I mean, I, it was crazy, but it was an incredible victory, and I'm sure you saw the. You know, I saw it on two different stations in on Kansas City, the highlight video of the end. Yeah, uh, and and it was really kind of crazy. I, I'm sure that's what Spectrum released to everybody, but of. Uh, of Grant making the field goal and then the reaction by the Lawrence sideline. I mean, uh, just incredible. So cool. I, I I loved it. I loved it. Goosebumps even thinking about it. I don't know what it, it is. Every time Lawrence High plays Olathe North, it's a crazy finish. Because wasn't last year the game, I could have sworn they were up a point, Olathe, or they are up seven. Olathe North got a touchdown and went for two and didn't get it. Is that yep, the correct Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. And then and then my first year, yeah, the Olathe North games have always been a little wild. Uh, my first year, we were down and uh, Luke Padilla caught a, a, a catch in the end zone with time expiring uh, to, to win the game for Lawrence High. I mean, it was just it, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, that, that game has always been interesting. <laughs> and, and, whereas, and then the Free State game, I mean, sometimes it's, it, it, you know, the, the, the hype is so big the game itself doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. hasn't necessarily always lived up to it, and of course, when Lawrence High's on the losing end of it, it really doesn't <laughs> uh, uh, make up for it. But that's not going to happen this week because Lawrence High's going to win. Well, before we get into that, um, <laughs> specifically for Lawrence High, I, I'm really interested. Uh, Truman Jules Guard versus Jet Deneen. That is an awesome battle uh, of quarterbacks in the state of Kansas. I've gotten to see a lot of Jet Deneen this year. 
He's been so good at hitting big plays in the passing game, so good at, at making big plays in the running game. How would you kind of describe Truman Jules Guard's game so far this year? Uh, well, I mean, Truman has been he he's he's been he's been up and down because of the injury. And uh, yeah, I mean, quite literally, I mean, when he fell down in in the second uh, second game of the year, we were dev worried. I mean, it's because uh, our backup quarterback's a sophomore and has had zero time uh, uh, at that point uh, in the games, and so we've got to get him grammar up to where he needs to be. But Truman was everything was going through Truman. I mean, and Truman could run, he could pass, he can do everything. But now, Truman looks like a beast. I mean, he looks like an animal. And certainly in the uh, – offensively, Truman was probably why we won that game mm -hmm. because of the things that he was able to do, pass and, and, uh, and run. I mean, he got us out of bad situations, and, and he did not look like he was injured, but he, even though he still is – I mean, he – he needs. He's going to need some work. I mean, he's going to. Uh, I, I I don't know the I don't know the status at all. But I mean, he's something's going to have to happen in the off season. But Truman has been a stud. I mean, so gutsy would probably be the the word that I would use uh, to best describe me because he's he's just played through this injury, and then last week he was phenomenal, and yesterday in practice he was doing some things that I, I he's got to have no pain. He's got to have no pain, or I don't know how he was doing the things that I saw him do in the practice yesterday. I uh, really think we're at a point where these two schools have, I mean, pretty much every year uh, there's a good quarterback, but this year specifically I'm, I'm really excited about the quarterback matchup. Now that said, um, as you head into this game. I think we're going to see a plane crash uh, tomorrow night, just FYI. Plane crash? Oh, I see. I see what you did there. All right. Hey, thanks. Um, or... Could so be, don't uh, don't fuel up before the game because yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to see a plane crash. We don't want very much fuel on the on the field. Well, okay? I'll say this: as much as I am interested in the quarterback battle, I I can't get by how good both defenses have been this year. And really, for Lawrence mm. High, mm. you take out just the one game, which was kind of weird against Shawnee Mission Northwest. The defense has been so good this year, and that's the same case. Free State hasn't given up more than twenty one points per game, uh, points in a game this season. So. The fact that you have Clint Bowen, who's known for his defense, and they've performed in every game except for that Northwest game, and Free State, who's been so consistent this year, I I just asked Craig like if he envisions it being a high-scoring game, a low-scoring game. He said kind of in the 20s. I'm kind of thinking this is going to be a lower-scoring game. I After last week, I could see that happening. Um, I certainly see that happening on the Free State side of, of things. <laughs> I, I, I really do. I, I don't think... The guys are so hyped for it. And you know what? They're hyped every year for this game. Um, I mean, this is the one that everybody that everybody puts on their... Free State's uh, got the extra edge. They lost last year. They're going to want to shake that of, off. Of course they do. Well, Lawrence, how many years in a row did Lawrence High yeah. lose at some point in time? And it does seem, you know... This is where the 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 Craig Hersheiser book is correct, mm -hmm. and he'd say throw the throw the records out the window. Yeah. Although Be both teams have really good records, both teams yeah. have really good records. It's not it it, it is a uh, I I would if this game was in Vegas, it would probably be a toss up. Yeah. I I can't imagine it being uh, either way. It wouldn't be more than three points either direction. Now, not in my book, 
but uh, not a, not at the Llewellyn Sportsbook. But uh, uh, I I think we're going to handle business, and I I just think uh, I think our defense is going to outdo the free state offensive line. Our front three are incredible, and Lance Bassett is such a stud. I. I, they've got to double team him always. He's got to be double teamed or Maybe. he is what I'll say this like this, because this is the matchup of the game. It's in the trenches and it probably already is the one thing going free States way. Ty Newhouse is committed to Tulsa. He's their left guard. The left tackle is Bryce Clements and Bryce Clements has already picked up offers from Baylor, Iowa state from Kansas they might be the team most equipped with with handling a really good defensive line for Lawrence High. I, I think that could be, again, like it just feels like to me every position we could go to, it almost feels like a stalemate where you have really good quarterback in Truman Julesguard, really good quarterback in Jet Deneen, really good defensive line for Lawrence High, really good offensive line for Free State, really good uh, other lines of scrimmage, really good receiver in Baylor Bowen, really good receiver in Jordan Brown. Like You just go down the line and there's so many similarities in my eyes between these two teams and how good they are. And the thing that I love about that mm-hmm. is that about how good Ty Newhouse is, is that he goes both ways. Yeah. And he goes both ways on the line. That's hard to do. And the cool thing about Ty is you'll see him, a quarterback will take off and he'll be eight yards down the field and you'll see Ty running from his defensive tackle spot and chasing him down. I mean, all out effort from that. Kid. How often does Hout uh, cover for Newhouse in a game? Um, I mean, I mean, I'm assuming, I'm assuming Newhouse gets almost. Yeah. Or, I mean, or, Ty's or, or, in there a lot. I'm assuming Newhouse gets most of his, uh, play on offense. Is that a correct statement? Um, he's pretty consistently out on both. I notice him the most on defense, but that's partially just because when you're calling the names, you're not really calling okay. the names of the guy blocking, right? So is that Tran coming in for Newhouse? Tran comes in a good amount. Okay. He's been good this year. Both teams have really good lines on both sides. I, of I just, I just think that, I, I just, I just love our, I love our defense so much, especially after last week's game. Last week, even though, and I, you know what, I guess it after two weeks of being beat, mm-hmm. Mill Valley and uh, uh, Shawnee Mission Northwest. I think Shawnee Mission Northwest was so crazy for them, and I think a lot of that Northwest game that. Um, and, you know, I haven't asked the coach this question because there was so much going on after that Northwest game. It was such an ugly loss. and I, But I've got to think that, that coach is going to take some of the blame for that because we just had no idea about that kid who came in who's just a stud. And actually, I, I, haven't, I haven't followed Northwest since, since that game. But I'm up ass- to four and three right now. So I'm assuming that they've won their last two. I think they lost one and won one. Real, all right. Well, sorry. I, I'm, I I should know my facts, but I do know my fact that we got beat against Northwest. Northwest flat out beat Lawrence High. Sometimes that happens, you know. And and so uh, Lawrence High knows what losing feels like, and they don't like it, especially after that Northwest game. And I think a lot, that that created a big chip on their shoulder, and that created a lot of a lot of doubt. And then we had and then we had a great game coming back against South, a very even game where. Everybody got into play. It was so nice to see. A lot of people ran the ball. A lot of people caught the ball. I mean, it was really nice to see. 
And then we had last week that was battle, battle, battle. And it was just, it was a classic, tough football game that ended on heroics. I mean, that has to prepare them for a game like this. Yes. That has to prepare them for the playoffs as well. Yes. I mean, I would say, I would not be surprised if we see that kind of game tomorrow night. Um, but I really do think that, I think that Lawrence High is going to handle business. I really do. Um, and I think that Clint, I, I just, I've got to think, God, well, I mean, I, so first of all, Clint wants it so bad. AG wants it so bad because AG's been in it for 30 years. Oh, I'm probably dating him, but he's not, he's not that old. However many years AG's been involved in it, AG wants it bad. Lister wants it bad. The entire coaching staff gets it. I mean, they understand. They want it bad. And I'll never forget the year that Hank Booth said, when, these, when this game's over, those coaches shake hands and they're still friends. Well, and he was talking about Dirk Wed and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and Lisher. And, and, I, and I flat out said, no, they don't <laughs> like each other. That is, they're not friends. <laughs> and not that, not that <laughs> the coaching staffs don't like each other's coaching staffs. I have no idea. But I guarantee they're not going to go get a beer together after the game. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. And and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a battle. It's gonna be a battle. And our I know for a fact that our coaches want to beat them terribly. And I think that they're gonna pull out all the stops. I would not be surprised if we see some some plays we've never seen. A lot of plays we've never seen. I wouldn't be surprised they put in a whole new scheme. I mean, I I, <laughs> I, I really wouldn't. Um, I did see a couple things that practiced last night that I haven't seen before. So we'll just see. We'll see what happens. But I, now, of course, and then in my interview with Clinton, he said, "No, we're just going to do the same thing we've always done." But you knew that that's exactly what we're going to get from Clint. But yeah, it's going to be it. It is going to be a wild game, and I can't wait to call it. I'm really excited. But I don't know if you heard me this morning. I'm very nervous about calling the game. So thank you for the information you've You're given welcome. me about Free State. And I will tell you, folks, this has nothing to do with my homework or my preparation. It's all about Derek Johnson. <laughs> Giving me some info hey, and sitting down to talk help. with you and finding out about stuff. We're all a family here at uh, KLWN, so whatever we can do. <laughs> but it is, it's is—it's—it's also going to be interesting, too, how this is going to affect playoff seeding. If Lawrence High wins, I think, I mean, it still depends on, like, point differential and stuff with because Dodge City is tied with them at 5-2. and two. Who knows what, what would happen there. But most likely, if Lawrence High wins, they'll get the 5 seed. If Lawrence High loses, you're looking anywhere between, really, the 6 through 9 seed, depending on, on point differential, and that's that's tough. It's I don't know what it is about the West, but like you go in the East, and if you were five and two right now, which Lawrence High is, you'd be tied for th- right now. They would be the three seed in the East, but they're the six seed in the West. It, it's insane how difficult the Western side of things is for this. Not to you know discount some of those teams on the Eastern half, but it's going to make this game even all the more important just because oh, getting those extra home playoff no games question, a better seed no question, and. And you know, coach knows that. I mean, he totally knows that. And the and the, the big deal is, you don't want to the potential to play Derby next. No, no, uh, you isn't don't. the nine seed the cutoff? Isn't that or so is the that eight the, seed eight, is eight, the eight, last eight. one who yeah. hosts? But if you're the eight seed, you, you win, don't want to be eight Derby. or nine. Yeah, you, you don't want to be eight or seven, nine. Right? That is a terrible mm-hmm. spot to be yeah. in. So okay, let me ask you this uh, before we wrap things up here. I asked this to Craig because this is a possibility. So right now. Free State would be the four seed, and Lawrence High would be the six seed. For Free State, 
Technically, though, they are tied for the three seed with Manhattan. And they haven't played each other. If Free State were to win, them and Manhattan would have the same record. They wouldn't have head-to-head. It would go to point differential. Right now, the point differential is tied. And because it caps off at 13 every game with what you can get. So if you're the four seed, you would play Derby in the third round. If you're the three seed, you would wait an extra round to play Derby. So obviously that would be important to get the three seed over the four seed to have a chance at that. Let's say there was a scenario late in the game. Free State was up nine points, a minute 40 to go. Or let's not even say that. Let's say 20 seconds left. Free State has the ball at the LHS 30-yard line. They can kneel it to run the clock out. If they went for the touchdown to try to work on that point differential, would you take umbrage with that? Would you view that as running up the score? Would I? Yeah. No. Because that's, that's, no. that's and, like and, a real and, possibility. And, and t- I mean, I don't think it'll it, be to a point where the game's out of hand at that point. So, you know, but I'm just saying, like, that is a real possibility. And I don't, I'd be worried that certain players, fans, and coaches would view it as, they're trying to run up the score. With five seconds on the clock, we have uh, and and Free State has the ball, and they're on the if they're on the two yard line with a nine point lead. I, I, look, as the as the opponent, I probably would to some degree, but really, in all honesty. If I if if I was in the same position, I think out of sportsmanship I would take mm-hmm. a knee. Uh, even even in this even given the same situation for myself, I, I think I would. I, it's hard to, it's hard to rationalize, I, and I don't know if I would have thought that far ahead. Uh, y- you never know. Uh, it's that, that's a that's kind of a hard situation yeah, to put in. Is. But I believe that I probably would take a knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I wouldn't, it's it's pretty classless to do that. But again, you're also looking out for your future. So it's not like I can totally, I I can't be really mad at him. No, I I just wonder if that's a situation that'll come up. But I think it'll be too close for that to to matter anyway. So Matt, have fun on the call tomorrow. Thanks for coming in and, and previewing LHS and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens in the city showdown tomorrow night. You bet, buddy. Stop the green menace. Stop the green (laughs) menace. That's Matt Llewellyn. You can hear him on the call tomorrow night on KLWN with Hank Booth. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We'll have Brian Borland audio for you later in the show. Plenty more KU basketball talk. We played some of the Ochai Baji and David McCormick audio from the, I almost said Sprint Center, T-Mobile Center. Uh, down in Kansas City from Big 12 Men's Basketball Media Days yesterday. That was a little five-minute chunk. Here is more of what the two veteran leaders and all Big 12 players for KU had to say. David, uh, kind of the same question that I asked Ochai, just about all the experience and the talent that's around. What's your feeling about the Jones so far with a bunch of new guys into the mix? Do you feel the speed in that practice uh, along as well? Definitely. I think uh, having a lot of older guys, having a lot of veterans makes – uh, a big difference, you know, you have somebody who knows the game, uh, they can easier accommodate to what coach wants, they know what wins, they know what scores. So to have, you know, younger guys who can teach them that easier and they kind of can uh, adapt to the game, to the college lifestyle, college playing a lot easier, kind of the speed of the game. Dave, what have you seen from Ochai 
uh, now that he's a grown man, you're both grown men, veterans. Uh, as you've worked with them, I mean, I remember in Salt Lake starting out there in the tournament, right? You guys, both young guys out there doing it for the first time, and now here you are. What have you seen from him? And Ocha, if you could follow that and just talk about Dave's progression that you've seen up close and personal like that. I mean, Ocha is just, you know, grown with every year. He's excelled every year. Um, Honestly, I know he's uh, a crazy athlete. He's probably even built on that even more, and I've just seen him step up to uh, the leadership role even more, talking, kind of just th taking that assertive tone to make sure that we no longer uh, we no longer have an absence of, or of presence, but to make sure that everybody has a voice and everybody will uh, contribute to our wins. Uh, and with David, um, kind of just what he was saying about me, um, now, I've been with him for four years, uh, seeing his growth, seeing his progression year by year and how he's matured and how his game has matured and everything like that. But something that hasn't changed is his, his work ethic. Um, he shows up every single day the same that I do, and he motivates me, too, um, in the way to just keep working hard, um, you know, whether it's just getting extra shots up or, you know, showing up to practice every single day. But I think just working hard and his work ethic hasn't changed um, in these past four years, and that's why I'm excited for this season. Do you guys remember when you met each other? I mean, I know it's a while now, but... Uh, I actually uh, do. It was just a crazy one. I remember the first time I saw it was like we were moving into the Oh, yeah, we were moving, moving in. The we were moving in. His family was there. My fa was my family there, too? Yeah, family yeah, yeah. there. It just kind of yeah. clicked initially. It was, mm -hmm. it was just given. Yeah, yeah. Did you, I mean, did you click, like you said, the bond, I mean, become brothers overnight, that type of yeah, thing? Yeah, I think um, I think it was kind of like all incoming freshmen just like went to the locker room and then, I don't know, me and Ochai, like I said, we initially clicked, the families clicked, and then from then on, we just kind of been boys and it was easy. Did you anticipate this being the deal? I mean, senior leaders representing KU over here, the face of the program. That, I mean, did, then did you think that this would happen for <laughs> no you? No chance. No honestly, chance. Not, honestly, no. no. You're not just even thinking about that then. You're just thinking about, like, how am I going to get on the court yeah. like, first when you get there sure, stuff sure. like that. So. Yeah. All happened so quick. Yeah. 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 So, Chai, we've seen you play kind of that small ball four role in the past. Is mm -hmm. that something you're thinking you're going to be doing this year as well, or is the roster a little different than that? Uh, roster is a little bit different. Um, obviously, with more depth this year, uh, we have guys like KJ Adams. Um, yeah. A freshman that's coming in uh, really strong that can play that four-man role and also Jalen Wilson can um, he can also play that four in the five um, if we need him to so having those guys and having that depth too and also Cam Martin we can throw him in there at the four so we're still in the process of um, getting those uh, lineups and all that you know Put together. Do you think Ochai, you got a chance to talk to a lot of Kansas fans who want to know how good are you guys going to be? I know it's early, but what mm -hmm. would you tell them? Oh, uh, we're going to be great. I mean, obviously, I have the highest expectations for us uh, every single season, but um, this season's kind of giving me that vibe from our 2019 team. Uh, we we were really successful, so everyone's just kind of like camaraderie and all that is is going well. So I'm excited. David, what do you think about this team? What would you tell fans if they said, "How good is KU going to be this year?" Oh, we're going to be fantastic. Um, like I said, we have a lot of a lot of pieces to the puzzle, and the greatest part is we can rearrange it any way that we want. We can adapt to any part of a game where uh, it's a high moment or low moment. We can adapt to any uh, opponent how we want to play and I think that's just really the key we um, our team is very versatile athletic skilled and uh, capable of facing any opponent on any given day all right that was David McCormick and Ochai Baji will play more of that for you later on in the show I, I had the one question there to Ochai asking if he was playing the small ball four and I thought um, the reason I was interested about that was kind of trying to get 
I don't know, maybe a better peek into what a potential rotation could be. And the answer there from Ochai made it sound like, no, that's not really in the cards this year, which you have more options, so it makes sense, right? But maybe that allows you to get a, a clearer picture in, into things because there's so many versatile guys and, and so many players who can play different positions, it, it makes it harder to try to peg where exactly you're going to go. But if you uncover the hint of Bill Self talking about yesterday that we played for you, you know, originally maybe we were talking about playing a little Cam Martin, but I don't know how much they're going to play. Two bigs next to each other, like maybe it'll be a five-minute stretch every now and then with Martin next to Dave or Clements next to Dave or something. But for the most part, I think you're going to see one center in there with either Dave, Cam Martin, or Zach Clements or Mitch Lightfoot, just one of those guys. And then the four-man, I think for the most part, is going to be, based on that answer, Jalen Wilson and K.J. Adams. And maybe there will be a few lineups where you know, Ochai does play a few minutes there, or uh, you do have a few minutes with the two big lineup. But I think for the most part, I kind of view Jalen Wilson as being a guy who's going to give you 28, 32 minutes a game, something like that, mostly at that four roll. And maybe KJ Adams gives you 10 minutes a game. We talked yesterday extensively about, you know, a lot of people kind of gushing on KJ Adams, his ability as a defender, his great athleticism his body already as a freshman and what he's showing, making winning plays for your team, hustle plays out there, the comparisons that he's had to a guy like Mark Vital, who would be, in my eyes, like an amazing Bill Self player that he would love to death. That's kind of how I'm viewing the rotation right now. I think we're starting to settle that through. And I don't know, maybe next week I'll do a projection of what I think the rotation is going to be. But uh, I think some telling answers when you hear that maybe – you know, Ochai isn't necessarily going to be playing any uh, small all four this year. Maybe helps you clear up that riddle a little bit. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Two hours down, one to go on KLWN, KLWN.com. Depend on it. All right, we've shared some Ochai Bashi and David McCormick audio throughout the day for you here on Rock Truck Sports Talk and then uh, had a little bit of reaction to some of that audio already so far in the show. Here is some more of what Ochai and Dave had to say. Big 12 Media Days yesterday in Kansas City at the T-Mobile Center. Dave, along those lines, how do you envision things going with, with Cam, Martin, and yourself? And I know coaches talk about playing you together some, but, but also you play the same position some too. I mean, how have you seen that going and how do you visualize it? Oh, I, uh, I think it's going to be great. You know, Cam is a very skilled player. He has great touch and he can also shoot so he can spread the floor as well as, uh, you know, play two bids because he's, uh, he plays hard as well as being a great rebounder. So I think to, for him to space the floor and me kind of play inside as well and we can play inside out, it's just a, another aspect of the game that we can kind of dominate. Can you, can you uh, visualize that? Sort of flipping the script where you're outside some and he's inside some? Oh, for sure. I, I can say I've definitely been working on that shot and yeah. passing ability. So um, in either sense, we'll have a post presence, whether it's him or I, and we'll have a big that can be out and shoot some, whether it's him or I. So I think it's going to be great. Um, have you, in either position, we're just like compatible. Have you thought about how big that could be for you? I mean, last year, right, it was – Fouls. You had to be thinking about fouls at the opening tip last year. Does it feel like that's not as as big a concern for you this year? I mean, you don't Uh, want to foul, I'm sure, but no, of course. It's uh, of course you have the mindset you always want to play as much as you can to not get in foul trouble. But it is uh, uh, 
kind of a breath of fresh uh, breath of fresh air when you know that you have somebody that you can either play with or have somebody that also could come in and you know they're going to do their job and um, fulfill the role that coach wants them to do as well as help you out. Coach just said you guys look good on paper and most teams do preseason. This question could be for either of you, but uh, with new players, you guys got to gel. How do you feel like the cohesiveness has been between you know some of the new players and obviously you guys coming back? I think we've done a, a great job as far as building a, a tight-knit community uh, with our teammates. You know, last season we didn't get to really have a summer going to the season, so we took full advantage this year in building that cohesion. Uh, just listening, well, we have a phrase of talk right, listen right, and just everybody has their voice and gets to speak. But we also know that in order for us to go a long ways, we'll have to have people like me and Ochai step up to those leadership roles and get the job done when it needs to be done. Do you think you guys could go as far as 10 deep? Uh, Coach Self had talked about that. Uh, definitely. Uh, I, think, I, think, I think so. Um, yeah, definitely 10 deep. Um, rotating a lot of guys in, guys staying fresh. Uh, could try playing that way, but I mean, it's obviously up to Coach and what he feels like is our best rotation for the year. Do you have to change your mindset if, if that's the case? I mean, especially the last couple of years, you guys played high minutes and, no. and it's your last go around, right? So you want to play as much as you can, like you said, but. Do you have to say, well, finally played 20, but we win every game. I'll take that. I mean, is, is that hard to do? Uh, I would say it is. Just, it is just generally because, you know, being a player, you're going to want to play every minute that you can. But at the same time, just having, uh, I think, an objective point of view is just a longevity of, you know, one wear and tear. But at the same time, it's all about effectiveness, whether you play less minutes, how effective you are in that time. And if every person is effective within their time, then there's no reason that you can't win every game. All the newcomers that have come in, just for both of you guys, is there any particular player that you've kind of taken under your wing? Uh, I would say, uh, for me, I'd say KJ, KJ Adams. Um, his locker's like right next to mine, so we talk a lot. Um, I talk a lot just like what to expect from practice, what to expect from, you know, something new, what to expect from late night. Like, like if I'm telling him, I'm like, yeah, you're going to be nervous at late night. That's just how it is. Like, that's how, I, that's how I was. I know that's how you're feeling type stuff. So just talking him through stuff, and that's only going to help him, which is in the end only going to help us. So. Uh, for me, I would say Bobby Bedford, uh, kid out of North Carolina. He, uh, we actually, I wouldn't say we knew each other that well, but you know, we just kind of knew of each other. And uh, oddly enough, uh, completely different positions like point guard, but I still talk to him, just kind of let him know what coach wants. And, you know, we, we just kind of feed off each other based on how we play in the post and, you know, a give and go or a ball screen and how to defend, things like that, just kind of helping him out, trying to understand the game at the college level. He said you were, he was trying to, you were trying to make him lift with you this summer. Oh, for sure. He, yeah, he, yeah. He said he had to kind of tell you that. <laughs> right on that. You know, I, I did for a very, a very brief moment, but then, you know, when you're a little bro, you, you just got to do what big bro does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bro. So how'd he hold up? Oh, uh, he did good to start off. Yeah. To start off. Uh, then I, I, I cut him some slack, but he's good in the weight room. Uh, I just make sure that he's efficient and don't go, tries not to go too light on each set. Fair.
Is, is there a newcomer that you guys have, have taken notice to or someone that you guys really like or think of making an impact moving forward? Uh, Whether it be a transfer or a freshman? Uh, it's honestly hard for me to say because, you know, when practicing so much, everybody has their day. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, KJ plays with a high motor, high energy, and he can come into a practice and honestly just, like, grab 20 boards in, like, the first 15 minutes of practice. Or Zach will come out and he will just hit everything he puts puts up. Like, anybody can have their uh, day, and I think that's the best part because if anybody can, then that means the same thing can happen come game time. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's one person in particular, and I'll it just depends on the day. So a couple themes there from Dave and Ochai. The first thing um, you heard him talking about Bobby Pettiford, who I think is going to end up being really good for KU. I think this year you're probably looking at, you know, I, I kind of am to a point where I'm thinking Remy Martin and Dewan Harris are going to be, if not both starters, like obviously Remy Martin's going to be the projected starter. Whether Dewan starts or not, I think he's going to give you 25-ish minutes a game. Um, I still think there's a role in there for Bobby Pettiford. It just might be five to ten minutes a game, or it might be cleanup duty. But I, I think the future is bright for Bobby Pettiford at, at some point for KU. Uh, two other big themes, though, in that, that motion of clips. Again, reiteration of K.J. Adams being talked up. I talked about this earlier, the fact that I think it's going to basically be him and Jalen Wilson getting the majority of your four minutes. I talked about this yesterday, that I think J K.J. Adams' stock is rising. You feel like he's going to be part of that rotation. You heard David McCormick talk about there's days where he goes in there and he'll get 20 rebounds. Like, he is going to be a hustle player. He's going to do the little things. He's going to help you defend, help get rebounds. He is going to get a role on this team. I would not have thought that even just a week ago or two weeks ago. I thought that he was a guy who maybe is a redshirt candidate, and then he, you know, works his way into the rotation. He's a long-term player. I'm kind of thinking that he's going to get legit playing time right away based on how everybody keeps talking about him, and you hear that more and more from Dave and Ochai there. The other consistent theme that I think you heard in there, a lot of conversation that in different ways stemmed around playing a deeper lineup. Now, we've heard so far Bill Self saying, you know, he could play as deep as 10. And I'll believe it when I see it. I know a lot of people are in the same way. But there have been, like, actual teams in KU's past that they have played nine deep. So I would actually buy into the 90. Now, once we get into March, once you get into the NCAA tournament, that's a different discussion. Once you get into the games that matter most, I don't think it matters if you're used to playing 10. You might go down to eight or nine. You know, some years we've seen six or seven. So maybe this year it's, seven to nine or seven to eight when it matters most. But during the regular season, maybe it's nine with like a rotation of a 10th guy where one guy played four or five minutes in a game and he was your quote unquote 10th guy. And it's not always the same 10th guy. But for the most part, I think it's going to be a consistent nine man rotation if he's saying 10 just because we haven't seen him. But maybe it will be 10. But you hear the players talk about it. And I think it's a couple things. One, you hear the buy in like Ochai and, and Dave talked about this. They were. The understanding of, listen, we know if we're playing 10 deep, if we're playing however many deep, like we might not have as great of counting stats as maybe we want coming into the year. But you got to kind of understand that if your team ends up being really, really good, nobody's going to care. Devin Booker 
is a lottery pick, and he wasn't even starting for a team. Now, that's another discussion. He should have been starting for that Kentucky team. Um, but, like, John Calipari uses that all the time. And you can get it done. Like, if if your team is winning, Matthew Meyer, for instance, was coming off the bench for Baylor last year, and he's a preseason All-Big 12 pick this year. Clearly a very talented kid. Matthew Meyer was coming off the bench for Baylor last year, giving him 20 minutes a game. There was talk during the NCAA tournament at the beginning of it. Could Matthew Meyer be a late first-round pick? Could he get drafted in the early second round if he comes out to the NBA draft this year, even despite the fact that he doesn't have a ton of you know, total counting stats? That was a real conversation because Baylor was so darn good and he was so efficient in his role. So you can still get, like, scouts will find you, right? They know you're good. That's not a concern, but you have to understand that as players. And it takes, it's harder to understand, right? So the fact that you hear them talking about that and understanding that means there is buy-in there that they can do that. And they even implored in asking about, do you think you could play 10 deep? They said, yes, I think we can do that. Like, that shows the sacrifice and buy-in you're willing to have. Now, obviously, that's just two guys. That's not everyone. But those are two of your most important guys. Those are two of your leaders, two of your guys who are trying to get out of here after this year, not that they don't like being here, but in the fact of that they're hoping for good seasons so that they can go pro and start making millions of dollars in the NBA. That takes buy-in, and the fact that you have that is a good thing. And also, you heard Matt Tate ask a question to Dave about you know having to limit yourself with, with fouls. That's another good point to bring up as well. If you're going to play a deeper rotation, that enables you more to have more, I guess, freedom in playing aggressively on the defensive side of the ball. To where you feel like the guy who's going to come in for you isn't going to be such a massive drop-off that you have to stay in the game. And you want to stay in the game. You don't want to get in foul trouble. But maybe last year, you know, if David McCormick has two or three fouls, and, and first of all, Dave did a great job last year avoiding foul trouble. But let's say Dave has two or three fouls in a game, and it's 50-50 whether he should go up to try to block a shot or just let him have it and avoid the foul. Like, maybe he's just letting them have the shot. This year, you don't have to worry about that. You, you just go play ball, and you can be aggressive, which if you're being more aggressive, and I think this goes back to playing faster, playing a style of defense where you're going to see a lot of KU's guards doing what Baylor did last year, which wasn't a full-court press, but it was basically, I'm going to take you man-to-man for the full 94 feet, or I'm going to pick you up at half court, and I'm going to make your life a living hell when you have the ball in your hand, whether it's going to force a turnover, which is the most ideal scenario, or even at the very least, if it's going to chew off seven, eight seconds off the shot clock and just make things harder for you to initiate the offense. And I'm just going to cause chaos and blow this thing up. You're going to see that more this year. But to do that, you need a deeper rotation. You have to allow guys to be aggressive so that they can play that way and know that if they do pick up a foul, you have guys behind them. And you feel comfortable with, because of how many good players and how many bodies would normally be part of a rotation on this team. You have 14 guys and let's say Kyle Cuff red shirts. That still means 13 guys. You have 13 guys who are good enough to play and you got to find ways for them to play. One of those ways is play more aggressively defensively. That'll help you become maybe a better defense. And on top of that, it'll get other guys minutes. It'll keep guys fresh, but obviously you have to have buy-in to do that. And certainly it sounds like Dave and Ochai are buying in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.